welcome to Behind the Sofa. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Behind the Sofa. My name's Ollie. And I'm Kirsty. Um, I'm really tired. <laughs> I'm really tired. I want to go to bed. But for you guys, I'm going to soldier through. And with only minimal moaning and pissing and <laughs> whining about it. So uh, count yourselves real lucky. <laughs> He's such a hero. You got me on tip top for everyone. <laughs> It's uh, it's twenty to ten on a Sunday evening. We've literally just finished watching Dead Ringers. Um, I don't know about you. It's not really a good Sunday evening watch. No, not really. I mean, we got a we got a message from my pal Charlie. Hi, Charlie. Hi, Charlie. Not Charlie Cox. This is a different Charlie. Um, not Charlie who guested on on Scream, but uh, another Charlie who we hold in great high esteem when it comes to film reviews. Well, let's not get crazy here. <laughs> And uh, I'm sure you'll be hearing from her on uh, on a future episode, but uh, quite often she will message me in the middle of watching the film and, and essentially do like a live tweet of, uh, of various parts of the film. And she just ended this one with, well, dark. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I, I would, uh, if, that's, if there's a word that could sum up this film, I think that would be... Uh, pretty close to it so it's, well it's a sunday night it's certainly no last of the summer wine that's for sure you know what i mean it's not songs of praise no uh if i could see compo rolling down a hill in a bath right now mm. that's that's what i want yeah i have not, a feeling not mutant gynecological women yeah yeah I, I, uh... I do i do have a feeling that uh despite how tired you are i think it would be a good idea for us to watch some light-hearted youtube videos before we go to bed i think so just to uh cleanse the palate slightly but yeah. um let's get into it so this is uh number 90 on our list this is dead ringers uh came out in 1988 directed by david cronenberg now if you've seen any cronenberg films um this is not the only one that's on the list uh videodrome is uh fairly high up i believe i haven't i can't remember which number it is exactly right now and the fly of course as well oh god the fly is on there as well yeah okay so this is the first of uh, three cronenbergs that we have on here now, if you know anything about him, then you know that he is uh, quite a bit into uh, body horror. But the majority of his films, it's, you know, visually it's it's body horror. But so much of the stuff that he does is also to do with, like, the human mind, I think. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, I mean... Give us a rundown. What's it about? Okay, so all we've said about this before is that it's basically about, like, uh, uh, identical twin gynecologists both played incredibly by jeremy irons i'm sure we'll we'll dig far into like his his amazing performances throughout this film mm. um but uh yeah they, they show them at an early age they're like super geniuses and you know like super smart <laughs> nerdy kids and it was uh, fraser this... and niles oh, basically damn you. i was just about I to say so it sorry. reminded me so much of fraser crane and <laughs> it's niles good. it's like... good that we both saw that yeah. but um yeah they're kind of like weird english twins living in uh the usa and like the you know their kids uh, in the 1950s canada. is it is it canada yeah, okay. yeah. Oh, it's, it's a Cronenberg. canadian it's this a canadian this is all sorts of canadian eh? it's true it's a canadian film but um yeah so you kind of see that they're outsiders and they're you know like in their own weird little world when they're when they're children and then it skips forward another 20 years or so and uh they're starting to get recognition for being like 
you know, pioneers in their field of gynecology and stuff, which for anyone who doesn't know, gynecology is a study of... Uh, Noses, f- right? Yes, yes. Exactly. Got it. Got yep, it in one. <laughs> yeah. Study of uh, study of female anatomy and uh, and everything that goes with that. So, um, but yeah, so it skips forward. They're they're doing really well and everything, and then it skips forward again, and we come back to like where it would have been present day when this came out. So like late eighties, and um, it becomes clear that you have um, Elliot, who is the more suave uh, Casanova. Um, more controlling of the he's, two. He's the Fraser. He is, and then uh, and then Beverly or Bev, who is the uh, like shy, retiring, awkward, but incredibly studious and hardworking, um, who works behind the scenes, never really wants to take any credit, which Elliot is more than happy to take for them both. So, um, I think the the first little section of the movie is really good, a kind mm. of like setting up what kind of characters are. They have this really interesting. Uh, talk when they're both kids about uh, about sex basically they mm. talk about um, the if humans lived underwater like how they would have sex with each other and the reason that we don't that we have sex as we do is because what is it they're internalizing the water yeah like we're we're we, you know like a large percentage of us is water so we're just internalizing it which is a really bizarre thing for children they're like meant to be nine years old at this point so so basically it's starting to set up the the fact that these kids are very kind of aloof uh, and they have like a little exchange with this normal quote unquote normal girl uh, and they ask uh, for her to have sex with them in a bathtub and bearing in mind they're only they nine. can't be more than they're 10 like years old nine yeah they're yeah nine. so it's, it's already kind of showing you this is the way um this kind of like cold uh kind of aloof detached way that they kind of deal with other human beings mm. um they have like no sense of uh like emotions they can't read other people's emotions very well you know what i mean it's all about how how they can profit not even maybe not it's more how about they can like, further their understanding yeah exactly things, yeah but like at other people's expense which yeah, is definitely. kind of where we're going but i mean it like i said it, it sort of skips forward and um like 1988 where this is set and where this is you know where when it was released is when the majority of the film is set so we have those two little bits there just to kind of set up the characters um and then that's when it launches into this and um you really get to hear Jeremy Irons, uh, and and there were a few bits in there where I was just like, oh my god, it's Scar! Like it's Scar from The Lion King! Like I could really hear the the, the voice at certain stages. Like he's just such. A, I'm gonna just gonna be like just chatting for ages about how great Jeremy Irons is as an actor. There's no Timon and Pumbaa though, Mm-mm. unfortunately. So Mm-mm. maybe we're gonna use a Timon and a Pumbaa. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, we're now we we find out basically what happens. So like Bev will be. Um, Excuse me. This is going to happen a lot because yeah. the the whole film is basically on the the idea that like we don't know which one is which at which time, and then they don't know. And they all that, goes only a bit come, wrong. that that side of it only really comes into it a little bit later on. Yeah, there's only like during the early stages. I think as you were saying before, like Jeremy Irons' um, performance is so good that despite the fact that they you know they they dress exactly the same they mm. sound exactly the same um it's not like uh, in some movies where it's like 
oh, the smart twin wears glasses. You know what I mean? There's mm. none of that in it. You can always normally tell which brother is which. Like, as soon as they start talking, you're like, that's Bev, that's Elliot. Just mm. for the way that Jeremy Irons portrays them. Mm. Um, which is fucking incredible, really, when you think about it. I find there was actually something that I read about it. So he actually employed something called the Alexander Technique, which is used by, like, uh, ballet dancers, horse riders, and people like that. Um, there's a lot of people that think that there's nothing to it and that it's not actually a thing, but obviously it worked with for him in as much that it was a prompt so the Alexander Technique basically deals with posture and spatial awareness mm. so he um, for one of the twins he was playing it on like the balls of his feet so like basically almost on his toes and the other he was playing it on his heels so it would be a physical reminder to him of which twin he was portraying at the time and it obviously would have like a very slight effect on his posture which he would then elaborate on yeah. so you would see um uh, Elliot where he would be very you know shoulders back very confident he's you know he's the guy who commands a room as soon as he walks in you know he's got it and um, Bev is very much like rounded shoulders like very slaving ho- over homely a, yeah slaving over a hot snatch as he says yeah, <laughs> earlier, oh later on in the god, film god it's so disturbing but um, yeah so oh, normally if you see someone on on a stage talking or or um taking a uh, taking a class doing a lecture or something like that it's more likely that it will be um Elliot rather than Bev so um and Bev is just like working really 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 hard behind the scenes um and what we find out is that uh Elliot will uh seduce uh women sometimes their patients a lot of time their patients um and once he gets bored of them rather than just throwing them away he will hand them over to Bev, who pretends to be Elliot, to carry on the relationship. Or not the relationship, but just to have sex, basically. Um, And unfortunately, it all starts unravelling slightly when uh, Elliot passes on this uh, famous actress who has a a strange uh, medical condition, which means that she can't can't have children. And uh, Bev starts to have, like intense feelings for her and uh yeah it all kind of goes a bit wrong from there the so the actress's name is claire what's the the real actress's name uh either genevieve or Jean-Vierge Bougeot. Jean-Vierge. yeah Jean-Vierge. Mm, like that yeah um Jean-Vierge, she's uh she's pretty good in it i've got to say yeah there's it's really like a it's a three head a triple header yeah and two of those heads are jeremy irons yeah because nobody else really gets a look in they're Mm-mm. basically the only two characters three characters yeah in the whole of the movie so it all kind of like rests on their very capable shoulders and mm. i've got to say they absolutely smash it um but there's one point where like they meet they meet her and they want to or you know uh elliot meets her and he wants to speak with her and um, he's just sitting there with like her and her agent in a very you know nice looking restaurant and everything. You know they're all sort of um, uh, yeah very fancy, very rich people, obviously. And uh, another thing comes across like we were talking about earlier when they were younger, and they just literally would come out from stuff that they would not have any sense of like tact or anything like that. They'd just come straight out and speak, you know, as a as a scientist, as a as a, as a a discoverer 
that they would just come straight out and so he's like talking very bluntly with her about like her body and about her you know about her menstrual cycles and all sorts of stuff and you know she's she's fairly straightforward with it as well whereas like other people around like her her agent excuses himself because he's just like really sort of awkward about it yeah so you now know that these two are quite comfortable with with speaking quite honestly with each other and the thing is as Kirsty said before the introduction of this woman kind of starts the the downward spiral of these two brothers it's you know she is uh she is a very interesting character in and of herself um in terms of her medical you know what i mean the mm. medical side and in terms of her personality she's i don't know well, how would you describe her she's a drug addict first of all and she she's says- a narcissist you know what i mean she has all kinds of different personality quirks um and they seem to have uh they infatuate both of the brothers but one of them kind of you know Elliot gets a little bit bored and Beverly kind of falls in love with her basically mm. um and i guess this kind of like upsets the balance of their relationship um it doesn't really seem the way it was Mm-mm. before um and it you know sends sends Beverly into basically a drug spiral yeah he's on all kinds of crazy uppers and downers and bennies is that a thing i have no idea whether that's Whippets, a thing <laughs> uh, but um yeah it's uh, you see one bit one bit that i thought was quite funny not funny because uh it's it's a bit bizarre when uh, he gets uh handed uh this woman uh, essentially, you know, like right, you take over. I'm, you know, like she's fascinating. You've got to, you've got to have her, kind of thing. Like it's such a bizarre relationship that these that these twins have. Um, and then it cuts to you know, like a, a sex scene where she's tied up to she's tied up to the bed with like medical tubing and like surgical clamps holding everything, in, holding the tubes in place and all of that. And apparently, this film. Uh, with all of the sensors and things like that going crazy over over things in the 80s um, this film in order to get it an 18 despite all of the you know like pretty disturbing stuff that happens throughout the one bit that they had to cut was two seconds of her having her wrist tied to the bedpost they didn't like that bit hmm. so they were like you have to cut this out otherwise you won't get an 18 rating it will be unrated and therefore like no one will want to touch it wow which okay. is really bizarre considering now, the other stuff that's in the film now going back to that scene mm. um and then tying it into a couple of scenes tying mm-hmm. um into a couple of scenes later on there's lots of parts of this movie that almost seem like ritualistic yes like religious yep there's lots of like I'm too tired and it's Sunday hmm. and I don't really I'm not really kind of forming my mind around what that means there's it's very striking visually I mm. can certainly appreciate it from a visual standpoint you know when he's got her tied to the bed she's tied at the foot of the bed she's got all these like thick rubber tubes wrapped around her uh, she's in almost like a crucifix position but they're having mm. sex at the same time um, and they're being held in place by these weird metal clamps. Mm-hmm. But then later on, there's a great... You know, I mean, it happens a couple of times, in fact, but there's a couple of really great shots of um, of uh, Beverly in the operating theatre. And, you know, you would think, you know, scrubs, blue scrubs, <laughs> tealy-looking scrubs. No. no. They have these fucking crazy blood-red... Um, like I said, they almost look like they're part of... Uh, um, some like 
draconian ancient re- uh, religious ceremony. Yep. Um, go on, Kirsty. You the, seem like you're I mean, nodding, the, like you have yeah, an inside I mean, track I've, on this. I've, no, no, no. I mean, I've got two things about it. Like the the thing that like will set you off with that is that this is before they've started you know they've already got like a slightly twisted relationship but it seems to work for them in a Mm. horrible way they've got like you said you've got that balance so they made the conscious decision while both of them were in you know a sane mind to have these like blood red floor length gown type things as their uh you know they essentially look like the imperial guard from star wars yeah like that was my first thought yeah, like, I was just like okay uh, so they made that they, they made that conscious decision while they were you know like perfectly sane and, and you know like well respected to have these like really quite disturbing and you know like if I was going to be having some kind of like gynecological surgery and I walked in and everybody was just like dressed in this way I would be slightly unnerved I like think I, like I said if I wasn't so sleepy I feel like I would be able to make some kind of connection between the kind of uh, the operation and mm. like a, some kind of religious ritual yeah I mean um, but I'm too tired to put two no, and two together right I mean now. <laughs> I mean Claire uh, Claire as in uh, the you know the, the the woman who's sort of coming between the twins is she mentions earlier on uh, you know she's been told that like because of her condition she can't have children and um, she kind of has this like existential crisis. She's just like, I, you know, I'll never, I'll never fully be a woman if I don't have a baby, which is not true. <laughs> but she's feeling like this, and she's just like, you know, I'm gonna die, and then there's nothing, you know, like she's not gonna have anything afterwards. Um, and so it's kind of like I, I think there's there's some kind of connection there where it's just like, you know, we are creating life and yeah. magic and all of those sorts of like, things i feel like you could be onto something there yeah. there definitely seems to be like a because like i said they are very narcissistic the pair yeah. of them um i'm and they they talk to a woman um about how they they help women have babies basically yeah. like they you know where god has basically uh forsaken them exactly they yeah. these guys can 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 make them have babies and yeah. uh so yeah i guess maybe that could yeah. well be the I link i see that i mean there, there's definitely quite a few lines in here that are meant to be like almost like a, a wink to the camera but we will forgive them because they're not um you know exposition or anything like that they're just like a nod and like a, a way in to see how they think and one mm. of the ones that like or two of the ones that got me was um claire speaking to uh speaking to Beverly and just saying like do you you know like because she starts taking drugs um and uh he's asking her about what she's taking and why and she's just like you know well she basically lists out all the side effects and one of them is like you know euphoria and increased heart rate and stuff so she's taking these drugs basically to feel more alive Mm. um and she asks him whether he's on drugs because he says you know she asks about doctors being on drugs and she hears a lot about you know how doctors prescribe stuff for themselves and he's like yeah that's true and she's like we well, do you take drugs and he's like no and he says um pain creates character distortion which i think is this like yeah. great twist that's, of it's certainly a line i have written in my yeah. in my notes and one of the other ones was um uh where she's asking about uh she's reading lines with with beverly and she's saying you know um that he's very sort of quite stilted and you know awkward because we know that he already is 
and uh, she was like, didn't you ever do like bits when you were a kid, you know, like impersonations and stuff? And he says, no, the only impersonation I ever did was my brother. And it's just such a, you know, because that's literally what they're doing throughout their lives now. And you start to see these cracks in, in Bev, you know, he, he's, he's obviously not dealing with, um, you know, this weird sharing thing that they've got with this person. Um, now, I, I know we're jumping around a little mm, bit. Um, we you know, always do. But it's fine, because at this point is kind of where I remember mm. is the first instance. Well, basically, Claire finds out that she's been having sex with both yeah. Be- Bev and Elliot. Mm-hmm. Um, but Bev is so infatuated with her that he basically chases her down and, uh, you know, makes good, I guess. Mm. Uh, and they start to have a relationship where she knows that she's just dating the one of them. Yeah. Um, but it's at this point that he starts that Bev starts to get heavily into drugs as well mm-hmm. and it's in one of these drug induced dreams that we get the first maybe not the first but certainly the first of this particular Cronenberg uh, staple we got our first bit of body horror we did it's a big old disgusting looking cord that joins the two brothers together it's almost what would you say it's like a little a growth yeah Kind of, but it is it's it's pure Cronenberg. It's like oh, yeah. it's like Cronenberg, but it's also kind of like the th- bits from the thing, you know, and like bits that we've seen in society. It's that weird, fleshy, yeah. slightly pulsy, yeah. Uh, and, um, and and Claire bites it uh, to try and separate the two brothers, uh, and yeah, it is pretty it disturbing. Lot, and yeah. I was like, that's that's pure pure Cronenberg. It really is. Um, so. Yeah, you see Bev just like unraveling quite a bit, and Claire is like, right, well, you know, because she's like famous actress, she's just like, right, I'm, I'm going, I'm going to leave, I'm going to be filming this thing, um, and he's just like, don't leave, don't leave, and he can't, he can't handle it. He has a really disturbing phone conversation with her, um, quite obviously meant to be like very clearly gay uh, assistant on the phone, who he has like convinced himself that they're having sex, and so he starts like giving great details about her like medical condition over the phone and it's really quite disturbing to hear yeah um and then uh yeah he he's sort of slightly unraveling and uh you see him in the in their office and another patient comes in to see him and uh gets brought in by their receptionist and he's just like he just comes up and says hello i'm one of the mantle twins and that again is very much like he doesn't even know which one he is anymore. Mm. He's he's that far gone. And at, at that point, I literally wrote down Jeremy Irons is fantastic. So yeah, I do ap- I do apologise for saying it a lot, but my God, he really is. Yeah, he is. Uh, he, yeah. he pretty much nails this one I mean, from start to finish. I mean, the the interesting thing about this though is that there were two other people that were uh, uh, considered for the role before Jeremy oh, Irons. I can't even imagine who they would be. Please. You will not guess at all. Okay. Right. One the of them is twins. You no. Know, one of the, one of them is uh, William Hurt. He would have been fucking great. Yeah. And he turned it down due to a scheduling scheduling conflict. Okay. Um. And the other, you will never ever guess. Oh, go on then. Tell me. Robert De Niro. Well, he would have been great as well. Yeah, but he he wouldn't he... have been the same though because he's Robert De Niro. I never really think of as suave. Mm. Although I guess, well, only one... He's po- charismatic, but not in yeah. the same kind of way. Yeah. But he turned it down, basically, because he felt uncomfortable about playing a gynecologist. Okay. Because you think, I mean, you know, apart from, like, p- 
possibly a couple of movies where there would be, you know, uh, uh, a gynecologist in one scene of a movie about a woman getting pregnant or, you know, uh, like in Knocked Up or Nine Mm. Months or something like that, but they don't play a gigantic part. And so to have a movie that is like pretty much entirely about the life of twin gynecologists i can get why people would be like a little bit squeamish about playing that one no no it is kind of weird um at this point he's bev is well and truly into the thralls of drug addiction yeah Uh, and this is when his brother discovers him Mm -hmm. you know i mean he's he's been kind of trying to keep it a little bit on the dl but then it comes to a point where he's uh you know hurting patients and uh basically acting like a total liability he he creates new um he he basically decides because of claire and because of uh i think another patient i don't we don't know whether he was like imagining it but he has like quite a disturbing uh like encounter with a with another patient and like accuses her of things and you know says that she's essentially like that she's a def- she's deformed or mutated down there which is a bit disturbing but well he... i think it, i think that that part leads into the whole yeah. uh, narcissistic is it, it, it couldn't possibly be the fact that he's fucked up on all kinds of drugs no it's the women who are wrong yeah, it's, all it's all a women, women. Who, when he's what he says he's like the women's bodies they're all wrong at the moment yeah and i was like it's because you're fucked up yeah. on all sorts of drugs it my is. friend and uh yeah so he he man he he basically designs and creates these uh new medical tools to uh assist mutant women and uh, gets this like uh, artist guy to create them for him and he's like oh yeah this is a great idea for a show and he was like no 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 this isn't a show this is like for surgical uh, procedures on on mutant women and so we're all like okay and then he attempts to use them Um, I think I think we should talk about the tools themselves yeah one of them okay well (laughs) they're almost like a mix between like an HR Geiger Mm. sculpture yep um, they almost look a little bit like the statues from Beetlejuice as well. Oh my god, they do! And then one of them looks like a face hugger from Aliens as yes. well. Um, they have, you know, what I mean, when you think of surgical tools, you think of like precise, machine engineered. These have much more of like a biological kind yeah, of look to them, don't they? They? Do. they kind of undulate in places that are real weird. Um, they have one of them almost looks like an insect's kind of like talon or like an mm. incisor you know what i mean there's all kinds of weird yeah, weirdness do, going on they with do them. not look anything like not... a medical no item at all and it's really quite disturbing but yeah so essentially um bev tries to use these while uh in in theater with uh with a woman and you see all of the other um assistants uh, surgical assistants like very very concerned about this and he essentially has got to the point where he's like stolen the uh like the anesthetic mask off of the patient the unconscious patient to like basically start huffing on it because he needs a bit more um so we realize that like bev is truly falling apart elliot is now realizing it too and so um he basically elliot decides to to like lock bev in the surgery and say you know like right take these two pills here these two pills here and these two pills here 
and then I'll come back uh, and find out what's what's going on and we're going to like try and wean you off and then you well, see Well I don't him... even think it's that I think that at this point he's trying to get in sync with him so mm. basically he's saying Bev you take these two pills now and unbeknownst to Bev he's also then taking the same two pills at the same time yep. and you hear him later on saying to Claire mm. um, there's nothing wrong with with uh, with Bev him and I just need to the only thing that's wrong with him is that him and I have grown apart and all that he needs is for the two of us to be on the same kind of yeah. level again. So I'm going to start getting just as fucked up as he is. Essentially, yeah. Like you see him walk out after he's locked him, uh, locked him in the in the office surgery, and uh, he's walking to the elevator and he's already popping pills. So he says, like I think the the term he uses is synchronize. Yeah. And he wants to synchronize with Bev, so he wants to sort of go down and then basically bring him back. And obviously that's going to go really well. Um, and uh yeah i mean we we really do start getting to the point where like we do not know who who is who um so yeah bev uh bev is is slowly trying to sort himself out um claire's coming back um and we start realizing that like elliot is is just falling deeper and deeper into it and uh and it becomes more that like bev is taking care of Elliot towards the end. Um, it does. I think Cronenberg um, does a really <coughs> clever thing here, and he's so good at kind of uh, at putting up on screen. You know, we, we as an audience, I guess, feel the same way as the brothers do. Mm. There's much more kind of like a crisis of identity. You can't really tell who's who at what point. Um, I just think he does such a good job mm-hmm. uh, in the way he, on the in the way he films it and the way he kind of edits it and puts it together. Mm. Um, I feel like he's really, really nailing nailing the yeah, what, he, what the characters are going through. Definitely, but um, yeah, I mean, uh, I think there was one bit that that I read that it was um, uh, at one point like he was trying to work out how to, like Jeremy Irons was trying to work out how to play it, and um, he initially asked for two dressing rooms one with Bev's um, costumes in and one with Elliot's costumes in and whichever scenes he was filming as whichever character he would be working in that dressing room Mm. and then to to get himself into the mindset but then he realised that as he was sort of working his way through the film that like there are points where you really aren't meant to know and they're not even meant to know who they are like you mm. you you're not knowing so he literally moved into he moved into one dressing room mixed all of their costumes together uh so he literally became like this one singular yeah. unit and it's so i mean you know he really got into this and it shows there's so a great well. there's a great shot um after they've had their last kind of meet up with claire they go back to the surgery, and at this point, the surgery looks like the fucking, you know what I mean, like frat house from Animal House or something <laughs> like that. It is absolutely trashed. Um, there's all kinds of pizza and cake yeah. and orange pop yeah. and all kinds of good stuff laying around, uh, as well as needles and, yeah. <laughs> and pill bottles yeah. and everything. Um, Such a contrast from their like beautifully immaculate everything. When yeah. They first well, when it, when it first starts, it's almost like they they're straight out of like American Psycho. Mm. Like they've got everything reservations perfect. at Dorsia and you know what I mean all those kinds of things. Um, but there's a great shot uh, towards the end where Bev and Elliot are really, really trying to get onto the same kind of drug schedule as each, as each other. And um, you see 
it's kind of framed through a door and you see mm. one of the brothers walk after just basically untying his the belt from his arm after he's been shooting up and he's rolling his you know he's rolling his cuff down and as he walks out of the frame you know the second brother then appears in a frame doing exactly the same thing mm. um, and then it just tracks them and they're just yeah at this point it is basically like one one person yeah it's amazing i mean it's it's incredible really because like you know you, you we have seen movies where like people have been like superimposed onto um two bits of you know like two separate parts of film have been like superimposed into one but this is just absolutely seamless mm. like i think it was the first instance of this particular technique being used i it's, couldn't i couldn't pick up on it on any no part. no no there it's are one just, or two bits where you're like where it's the back of a head and they're like yeah you're like that's probably not him but yeah. at the same time so they were using some sort of like computer yeah i can't remember what it's called it's like splicing. map yeah. something but it's um yeah it was the first instance of it being used on film and it is like amazing when you consider like you know it's like 1988 you can look at films that came out around the same kind of time and the sort of special effects that they would have been using they're good they're nothing compared to what we can do now obviously and you can look at it and sometimes it can look a bit hokey yeah, yeah, yeah. in this you can't pick it up at all like no. i was fully taken in by it being two separate people and he plays them so well that you are just convinced that it's, it's two different two so different now, people so now i guess we're getting down to the end mm. um, the end's very sad the end is sad i mean i literally wrote that like you know while this is on a on a horror movie um list and i definitely think it belongs on there i'm sure we'll go into that a little bit later but like i, I think it belongs in it but it's literally like a tragedy mm. it's like a tragic tragic film um and i mean that's that's uh, you see it a lot more in the ending like basically uh bev and elliot you know after they've done the the bit that ollie's just described where they like you know they're like going through their routine and they're you know walking from one room to another and they're talking about what they're going to do the following day and their processes and everything and then sit down and basically eat cake that they've taken off of one of them goes to pick it up off a bookshelf because that's where you keep cake apparently <laughs> I, wish Rips I, had, it. I wish i had a cake shelf yeah maybe we should have a cake shelf maybe not like that though this is a bit disturbing but they, they he essentially just picks up this cake from a shelf uh and it's a really, it's breaks, a really good looking cake yeah as well. breaks it in half and like hands the other half to him and just says you know like we're celebrating our birthday and it's like but it's not our birthday and then it, it oh, ends yes, up it being is. <laughs> essentially the idea of it is that rather than it being a birthday it is you know like um one will uh one will sacrifice the other uh so that the other can live so they're fully separated because they can't uh carry on living in this life of imbalance so it's essentially one is one is going to die and the other one is going to live so they've, they've been kind of like foreshadowing this earlier mm. in the movie they talk about the two original uh siamese twins yep. uh, their language not mine yeah um, well they were they were siamese so it was, yeah. uh, it was chang and Aang. Oh, okay okay yeah. So, probably the one time you can probably get away with yeah, saying it's that. fascinating <laughs> like i mean I, I i think i remember reading about them when i was a kid because i was you know like, obsessed with uh like crazy mysteries and like fascinating things around the world and all that and that was something that was in one of the books and it was like chang and eng were um very very different characters like one was very subdued the other one was very aggressive and had issues with drugs and drink and uh one of them died and the other one uh woke up to find him attached to his dead brother and died of shock or you know uh shock of fright or 
you know some people were like broken heart you know all those sorts of things it's a very very sad story but like completely true um and so they discussed that previously like you said it was it was foreshadowing but this is another scene where it's um very much like a uh, ritual sacrifice there's like dripping wax candles everywhere and yeah that's where i got that like that real feeling there um but basic so at this point um the old uh, the horrific surgical implements make a make another appearance Yay. and you well here's the thing you, i guess you're supposed to think that that it's bev that's on the table mm. um and then one of them is you know they're they're shooting up you know they're they're all nice and happy and chilled and then the 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 weird insect talon kind of comes out (laughs) and rips a giant hole in the other one you never get to see it you know i mean it's not it's not played for gore if anything it's quite understated and all you do is you see some blood running down the kind of crease of the chair and it runs out um Oh, peanuts have another hole. She always does it like five Yay, minutes before honking. the end of the episode. She just likes to have a good old drink of water and have a good old good honk. Job. Good job, peanut. Well done. <laughs> um, she's just like, I need to be involved. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah. So at this point, uh, one of the brothers dies, and, yeah. I, and I guess at this point you're thinking, Oh, poor Bev. Bev's dead. Then when they wake up in the well, when one of them wakes up in the morning, um, you're really not quite sure about mm. who is supposed to be who. Um, because then it seems that Bev is the one that has woken up in the morning. Yep. So mm. it is, yeah. Elliot, Elliot dies, so Bev can live. And I, I think it was meant to be that, like Elliot was bringing himself down to that level, um, like mentally and through, you know, like a, a huge amounts of drugs, uh, was bringing bringing himself down to Bev's level. And then it just ended up with like essentially Bev caring for him. So mm. he was like that's why when they were handing handing each other the cake and stuff and he was just like uh elliot was the broken one who was like it's not our birthday and he was like mm. i want orange pop and i really want ice cream and you know you just see, become th- a child see, uh, it's funny because i thought that was bev no that's elliot okay that was right, elliot go. um i mean the other bit that struck me about this is like um the music throughout there's that is quite sparingly used no, but... i was gonna say you don't i don't it's one of the we always like to talk about music on yeah. on uh, behind the sofa, but it's one, but of the, think... one of those ones where I'm, I kind of barely noticed it. Yeah, but I mean that's the, that can sometimes be a good thing, like if you really you know like it doesn't like um, encroach on the on the scene at all. But like during the you know this sacrifice scene um, where he's essentially like disemboweling his brother, um, it's you know we're used to like horrifying music during something that's just so horrific but the music's actually it's done by um howard shaw who did like mm. lord of the rings and um you know uh, going back to peter was peter jackson just running like yeah. threads running through this if you were listening to last week's um but yeah usually it would be like horrifying music but it's just like purely heart-wrenching like it's tragic kind of a, it's almost operatic i guess yeah in a way, but, yeah it's but... just like a greek tragedy isn't it yeah. it's just yeah it's crazy um so yeah then uh bev wake, wakes up the following day and he's like looking around for elliot and elliot is like dead on an, an operating chair thing uh or like a an examination chair in the background and it's almost like he doesn't see him yeah, which I didn't. I, I, I didn't get the the reasoning for that. I think it was kind of like he was so uh, in the cold light of day. He was almost like not 
willing to believe that it had been done. Mm. He looked almost straight at him and still was like, Ellie, yeah. Ellie. I was, was like, he... oh, he says it real, it's, it's real really sad. Deep. Yeah, it's just like a child. But I mean, yeah, one, like a, one, yeah. one thing that um, I noticed on that bit, which I thought was quite interesting, we'll go into like some of the, the bits about that in a, in a minute, but it was um, that when you saw uh Elliot lying in the background on the on the uh examination chair and Bev is in the foreground on another examination chair and um Elliot has got his head turned to the left and Bev is like keeps looking to his right um to look for him and I didn't know whether that was like you know because that's the way that they would have been facing each other and it's really bizarre and so he sort of gets himself together gets all his bits and pieces packs looks like he's packing a bag and all that you know getting his shaving stuff together out of like all of the detritus that's all, all over the counters and everything um and he walks outside and he's you know like perfectly dressed looks like he's totally fine walks to the phone box calls claire and doesn't say anything but she's down the other end of the phone just going hello hello who is this and it's the who is this that like you know it's a perfectly innocent thing to say if someone calls you and doesn't say anything but the fact that she says who is this and then he just hangs up because he has no idea who he is right yeah. now and it's just that one harsh bit and then so i guess it's like he, he's like i'm finally free i can finally go and be with claire yeah but then it's when she says who is this it's almost like it all comes crashing back again yeah. and he then decides to go back to see his brother yeah um and then the final shot is just the two of them lying together and, yeah. and even then you don't know which one is one which one is which sorry you, yeah. you know the wounds they're both their stomachs are covered up there's one who's kind of sitting up while the other's kind of like curled up at his uh yeah it just looks like a statue doesn't it yeah but yeah and it looks once again kind of looks a little religious like it looks like it could be like a was it what like a some looks like a statue yeah Yeah. exactly yeah it's crazy but it's i mean it's so good it's just it's very it will leave you cold but you know it's just so wonderfully acted um you know it's like you said you know the the gore is understated so if you're looking for like full-on gore it's you know but Mm. it's not really going to be there but it's um it will definitely stick with you i think it's it's a very very intense film but um is this a horror movie that's the thing it's like i said it's like a like a horror tragedy because it's so it's dark and it's disturbing it's kind of got mystery elements to it it's very twisted it's it's just a very strange you know it's the thought of something like that the fact that again weirdly you know like if you think about it they could have been any kind of um profession Mm. and it wouldn't have changed the film all that much in in the story story wise they could have been like two identical twin high-flying businessmen they could have been two regular doctors but the fact that they decided to make them into gynecologists where it's like such an intimate person that you have to put trust into Mm. and that they're now you know like both of them are are just like so messed up it it makes it even more worrying yeah absolutely but um the the original the original film the original title or working title that they were going to go with was gemini 
which wouldn't have been as great. Well, the Gemini think. and the twins, right? Yeah, but Gemini, like the studio didn't like the it. Dead Ringers to me always makes it seem like a little bit. It's kind of like a cheap title, right? Mm, yeah, I mean, it doesn't if really anything, give anything Dead away. Dead Ringers is the worst. <laughs> the name of the movie is the the worst thing about it. Mm. But did it's, you? It just makes you immediately think of Alistair McGowan as well. <laughs> that, he, he was he was Dead Ringers, right? No, I have no idea. You know what I'm talking about, right? The, no. Like the impressionist. Yes, I know the person. But he, had I a pro, he had a show called Dead there is, Ringers. There is right? a show called Dead Ringers, but I don't think I've ever watched it. Okay, or, well, yeah. that's what it was. Okay, well, um, apart they they did then change it to Twins, but then Ivan Reitman Dang came along and went. No, that's true. Ivan Reitman came along and went. Um, I quite like to buy that title off you. And then that became the Danny DeVito, Arnold, Arnold Schwarzenegger imagine, twins imagine movie. If Very this, different movie. Imagine if this movie, instead of starring twin Jeremy Irons, was Danny, <laughs> Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger no. No, 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 no. playing twin gynecologists. No, 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 no. Um, that is a movie yeah. I would watch. Would, I mean, I don't know how much you've read about this film because we tend to, basically what we do when we're, when we're doing this is we will sit in silence I'm sure we've gone into this before we will sit in silence and uh, jot down our notes and literally come up and put all our bits together to get recording without talking about it at all so we you know the first time that we're talking about this on uh, is is on the podcast so we have no idea what we're what both our thoughts are I think I think it works sometimes know? I don't even know what my thoughts are going to be until they've left my mouth so yes. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. But did you know that this was based on a true story? I did. Okay. I have seen so, this movie before and I feel like I read up about it. Yeah. So it was based on uh, twins, Stuart and Cyril Marcus, who I believe were also gynecologists. They were. Um, and they got heavily into drugs, uh, drug addiction and drug withdrawal. But their death is quite the mystery. Like, a lot of people are like, oh, they just died due to drug addiction and then it was drug withdrawal and all of that. But I believe only one of them had, like, trace elements of, like, uh, or, you know, like, traces of, uh, of drugs in their system uh, when they did the the autopsy the other one did not at all but both of them died and they couldn't really work out how um that but they were like living a, sounds like a fucking exiles episode yeah it? but like... they were living in like um you know like a, a really fancy manhattan apartment they lived together i believe and um it was like a complete state so we believe that like the the sort of end sequences and stuff apart from the ritual sacrifice and that um were, would have been very similar to how they would have been living at the time. It's a very, very sad, but really quite intriguing story. Um, I'm going to see whether I can find a little bit more information about it, because it seems to be a little bit sparse, but it is, um, sounds like the sort of thing that I'd be into. But yeah, um, what do you think? I'm not 100% convinced it was a horror movie, I've got <laughs> to say. I know this, when we were doing the li- uh, the episode zero, the list, which if you have not listened to, please yeah. go back and listen to it, because it's a fucking uh, very important part of this whole uh, procedure. Yep. Um, and also a really fun episode. Yeah. Um, but when we were... Why did I talk about the list? Because uh, when we brought this one up on the list, what did you think when, when this one turned up at... Uh, uh, number ninety. Well, I feel I feel like when it when I first read about it on the list, I was like, I love that movie. Of course, of mm. course, it'll be on the list. 
But you then, were convinced like, we'd watched it, or that I'd watched you, it, or that we'd you, watched it yeah, together. Had you not watched it? No. Okay. I have a feeling I I had seen bits of it. I remember. Uh, I don't remember loads bits, loads of bits of it, but I remember like maybe the beginning part when you start seeing like the differences between the two of them, okay. and like working. You know, Bev's working hard behind the scenes, and Elliot is like the star. So, but I think my my initial opinion was kind of coloured by the fact that I had seen this movie and I'd loved this movie it didn't really occur to me that maybe this was not the right list for it oh I'll tell you why also I thought about episode zero Mm. because we were talking about how um, sometimes uh, certain movies will try and tart themselves up a little bit by calling themselves like a psychological thriller yes. when you're like bullshit this is a fucking horror movie it's because it's- this is one of the movies where I'm like I kind of think psychological thriller is more yeah. is is more the, the genre of this movie I get that I mean um, yeah I mean it's it's described as a psychological body horror so it's body- kind of okay, like well, first sticking of all, in it's not uh, it has like one body horror one curse there was almost a body horror then when Kirsty just almost just kicked me in the nuts did not mean to <laughs> she grazed it Un- unintentionally <laughs> um, oh my god um, yeah so sorry that was a real close call everyone I don't know if you really quite know what just happened um, but yeah there's there's one shot in it I I think you know it's what I mean? just been the sacrifice, the sacrifice the like the, the sacrificial bit at the end um, the bit where they're in, I guess, the operating theatre when he kind of like slashes that woman by mistake because he's high as fuck. You don't um, really see that though, do you? You see the blood mm. kind of like splatter everywhere. I just don't think it's a body horror. Mm. I think it's just. I think it's that... just because it's Cronenberg. Exactly. Everyone's like, it's a body horror. Exactly. I'm like, I don't really buy that. Exactly. Um, but I mean, this has been. I think I read before that it's. Um... Uh, I think Entertainment Weekly put it in like the top twenty scariest movies list and i'm like well no, i want i want to no, know what no. i want to know what's on entertainment that entertainment weekly come yeah. on guys yeah um, well, i want to know what else um would that be but um i mean they i think it's disturbing don't get me wrong yeah, it's yeah. disturbing but it's not i just don't think it's a horror movie but in a you know like humans can be horrible kind of way like really manipulative and uh, nasty and like you said narcissistic and all that kind of stuff and it is really like going deep into like people's minds and watching watching to you know like like I said you know like incredibly intelligent people just completely un- unravel mm. is is a disturbing watch um, I mean well, that, that, that to me is like getting to it you know that's getting to like a whole other level yeah. where you're like watching these things is, isn't is that a real horror movie mm. and you're like no a horror movie is where a guy with a mask runs around and he <laughs> slashes people. you know what I mean it could be anything but for me this is it's like a drama like a uh, mm. like a psychological thriller um, I just don't think it's a horror okay and then maybe that will affect where it appears on our rejig Ooh. list well we've got the only other bit that I wanted to put in this, which I thought was great, which ties into the whole, like, Jeremy Irons is fantastic. We definitely think that even though, even after what Ollie was saying about how he maybe feels that this should not be on the list, or if should it, be on was, a list. If it was a if, it, if this was a list of movies that Ollie fucking loves, <laughs> then it would be, it would be on that list. Yeah. If it's a list of the 100 best horror movies of all time. Yeah. Yeah, Total Film put yeah. it at um, 35, uh, number 35 on their top 50 greatest horror movies. Entertainment Weekly, 20th on their 25th, 25 scariest movies of all time. 
uh, one of the top ten true story horror movies by bloodydisgusting.com. Um, I just don't think... I, I, I don't know. I bet if you asked Cronenberg, I bet he'd be like, no, nah, it's not a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't set out to to scare you no. which for me is like what a horror movie yeah. is designed to do yep. it never, there's no point where I think oh Cronenberg's really you know he's trying to give us a little scare there it's not it's very tense um, there's definitely some really grisly and horrifying moments in the movie but I just don't think nothing it's a horror movie nothing compared to what we've watched before no. so um, but one bit that I thought was interesting is like how fantastic uh, Jeremy Irons was in this film. Um, he didn't get he he actually got for like this came out in eighty eight, uh, so would have been up for like recognition by like uh, you know uh, awards boards, Academy Awards, and all those sorts of things. Like maybe the following year, um, he got uh, best actor not for this but for um, another film called Reversal of Fortune where he played like a murderer uh, in 1990 and he still believes that like his performance in Dead Ringers basically like gave him like an assist in getting that because yeah because uh, basically this film is too weird uh, to be ever recognised by like the Academy Awards like they wouldn't have touched this so he got that recognition as best actor but just not against this film Mm. but they feel like it it definitely helped him on his way because he is is his his acting in this is incredible and i'm i really really think that like we said even though it maybe doesn't belong on this list is absolutely worth a watch i think you should i think you should watch it and uh i hope that you enjoy it but just maybe not last thing on a sunday night before going to work the following day because i feel pretty disturbed right now yeah i feel like i'm feeling drained yeah now if you don't think this film belongs on the list, or if you disagree with us and you think, Kirsty, Ollie, what the hell are you talking about? Of course <laughs> this belongs on the best 100 horror movies of all time. Then you need to get online and tell us about it. So you can go to facebook.com forward slash behind the sofa podcast or at behind the sofa podcast on Instagram. Let us know. Ollie, Kirsty, you are dead wrong mm-hmm. about dead ringers. <laughs> well, um, done. well done. Well <laughs> done. Uh, my eyes are basically being held open by toothpicks right now um <laughs> or if you just want to talk to us about anything anything yep. at all just yep. uh, just make sure come say hello uh we're all friendly and nice yes um and make sure to go and leave us uh, a rate and a subscribe and a review on itunes or wherever you uh, listen to the pods mm-hmm. uh, but now kirsty is going to tell us what next week's episode is going to be mm, so next week so this was number 90 So what we thought we'd do is before we head into uh, the 80s uh, in the list, we will uh, have a look at the 10 movies that we've done so far. We will uh, have a quick uh, recap of, uh, you know, what we liked, what we didn't like, and most importantly, where we think it should be in the list, whether we agree with its placement, whether we would throw it out of the list uh, altogether, uh, whether we would rearrange it and I have a feeling from some of the uh, discussions that we've had over the past wow 10 weeks um, oh, wow. that, uh, that there will be some changes so we really really want you to get involved so like we said you know uh, Facebook uh, facebook.com slash uh, behind the sofa podcast or Instagram at behind the sofa podcast let us know uh, which ones of the films that you've watched which ones you liked which ones you didn't like 
like get involved with the discussion and then we can take it into consideration when we're making our our newly revamped uh 100 to 90 list yeah i want to i want to see your orders basically i want comments on we'll put up a special post on the uh on the instagram and facebook and i want to see which order you would have the, the this 10 in mm-hmm. okay um anything else to say before we go yeah, I think that's it. I think, like we said, you know, like while we may have our reservations about this one, particularly being a horror movie, absolutely would recommend watching, right? Oh, definitely. Yeah, it's great. Definitely. It's a really, really, really good film. It's just whether we need to uh, rethink our our, uh, our idea of uh, what would be considered horror or not. So let us know your thoughts on that as well. Cool. Right. Uh, so from behind the sofa. Good night.